0: Hello, and welcome to Ice Age Preps Reads, Season 3. We are um, reading The Lost Continent of Moo by James Churchwood. This is a file on archive.org, the Internet Archive. Um, Much like the World in Peril, um, there are... And the illustrations and drawings, I highly recommend going there to see them for yourself, get a copy for yourself, or find a physical copy uh, if you can. We're gonna get right into it because this particular book I uh, just want to get into it. So here we go. The Table of Contents. This is chapter one, Alpha the Beginning. If you haven't followed me on Twitter, um, please do so. If you want to get uh, in contact with me, and uh, let me know just what you think, or you have suggestions, that would be fantastic. And you know, thank you again for all of you listeners out there. It uh, really means a lot. Chapter 1, Alpha, The Beginning The Garden of Eden was not in Asia, but on a now-sunken continent, the Pacific Ocean. The biblical story of creation, the epic of the seven days and the seven nights, came first not from the peoples of the Nile or of the Euphrates Valley, but from this now submerged continent, Mu, the motherland of man. These assertions can be proven, proved by the complex records I discovered upon long forgotten sacred tablets in India, together with records from other countries. They tell of this strange country of 64 million inhabitants who 50,000 years ago had developed a civilization superior in many respects to our own. They described, among other things, the creation of the man in the mysterious land of Mu. But comparing this writing with records of other ancient civilizations as revealed in written documents, prehistoric ruins, and geological phenomena, I found that all of these centers of civilization had drawn their culture from a common source, Mu. It's MU, by the way. We may therefore be sure that the biblical story of the creation as we know today evolved from the impressive account gathered from these ancient tablets, which relate to the history of Mu, history 500 centuries old. The manner in which this original story of creation came to light forms a tale that takes us back more than 50 years. It was a famine time in India. I was assisting in relief work, the high priest of a college temple. Although I did not know it at first, He was exceedingly interested in archaeology and the records of the ancients, and had a greater knowledge of those subjects than any other living man. When he saw one day that I was trying to decipher a peculiar base relief, he took an interest in me that brought about one of the truest friendships I have ever known. He showed me how to solve the puzzle of those peculiar inscriptions, and offered to give me lessons which would fit me for still more difficult work. For more than two years I studied diligently, a dead language my priestly friend believed to be the original tongue of mankind. He informed me that this language is understood by only two other high priests in India. A great difficulty arose from the fact that many of the apparently simple inscriptions had hidden meanings which had been designed especially for the Holy Brothers, the Nakals, a priestly brotherhood sent from the motherland to the colonies to teach sacred writings, religion, and the sciences. One day, being in a talkative mood, he told me there were a number of ancient tablets in the secret archives of the temple. What they consisted of, he did not know, for he had seen only the chatties containing them. Although he was in a position to examine the writings, he had never done so, as they were sacred records not to be touched. In discussing the secret writings, he added something that sent my curiosity to a new high point. He had already mentioned the legendary motherland of man, Mysterious land of Mu. Now he amazed me by the admission that the precious tablets were believed by many to have been by the, by the Na, have to have been written by the knuckles, either in Burma or in the vanished motherland itself. I became impatient to see them when I learned that the writings were only fragments of a vast collection taken from one of the seven Rishi sacred cities of India. The bulk of them was believed to have been lost. Still, there remained this opportunity to see what I might of the ancient fragments of antiquity lying dust-laden in the dark. Day after a day I attempted to discover some method by which I could obtain access to the hidden treasures, but my friend, although extremely courteous, was adamant in his refusal to let me see them. My son, he would say, a touch of sadness in his voice. I would that I could satisfy your desire, but they that may not be. They are sacred relics that must not be taken out of the containers. I dare not grant your wish. But think! They may not be packed properly and may break and crumble in their boxes, I urge. We should at least look at them to see if they are safe. But this argument was of no avail. Six months passed. Curiosity or anxiety about their condition had won the contest over my priestly friend, for one evening on the table in front of him two of the ancient tablets were laying on a cloth. I examined with curiosity the long hidden tablets. They were apparently of sunburnt clay and extremely dusty. With great care, I cleaned them and then set to work deciphering the characters that were in the same dead language I had been studying with my friend. Portion was with me that evening, for those two precious forms of clay revealed facts of such import, we both realized that here indeed were the true genuine records of Mu. The history, however, broke off abruptly at a most interesting point at the bottom of the second tablet, Not even the high priest could restrain his curiosity to see the rest. "'It is impossible for us to leave off here now, my son,' he said." So I shall get the next tablets out tomorrow. Fortunately, the next tablets he procured were not of the same series, but had to do with an entirely different subject, and in order to find the consecutive tablets, all had to be brought out. It was well, for many of the tablets had been so badly packed that they were broken. These were restored with cement. When I repacked them, I wrapped each tablet in tissue paper and cottonwood. My son, said the priest, I feel that a sacred warning was sent to me through your voice, To safeguard the relics. Months of intense concentration in translating the tablets followed, but the reward justified the effort. The writings described in detail the creation of the earth and of man in the place where he first appeared, Mu. Realizing that I had unearthed secrets of great importance in the elucidation of the eternal problem, man, I sought the other lost tablets, but without success. I carried letters of introduction to high priests of temples throughout India, but in every instance I was received with coldness and suspicion. I had not seen—I have not seen any such tablets. Each would declare, and doubtless they were telling the truth. Like my friend, they had probably only looked at the containers. Once in Burma, I visited an ancient Buddhist temple in my search for the missing records. From where do you come? asked the high priest, looking at me with veiled suspicion. From India, I replied. Then go back to India and ask the thieves who stole them from us to show them to you. And spitting on the ground at my feet, he turned and walked away. These rebuffs disheartened me somewhat, but I had already obtained so much valuable information from the tablets that I determined to study the writings of all the old civilizations and compare them with the legends of Mu. This I did, and found that the civilizations of the early Greeks, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Egyptians, and the Hindus had been definitely preceded by the civilization of Mu. Continuing my research, I discovered that this lost continent had extended from somewhere north of Hawaii to the south as far as the Fijis and the Easter Islands, and it was undoubtedly the original habitat of man. I learned that in this beautiful country there had lived a people that colonized the Earth, that the land had been obliterated by a terrific earthquakes and submersion 12,000 years ago, and had vanquished in a vortex of fire and water. Hmm. That's very interesting. Also, I learned an original story of the creation of the world. It was on the continent of Mu that man first came into being. I have traced the same story from Mu to India, where colonizers from the vanished continent had settled, from India to Egypt, from Egypt to the Temple of Sinai, where Moses copied it, and from Moses to the faulty translations of Ezra 800 years later. The plausibility of this will be apparent even to those who have not studied the subject carefully. When they see the close resemblances between the story of the creation as we know it, the tradition that originated in Moon. Before starting to relate the writings on the tablets, I shall give a page of the vignettes found on them, with their decipherings and translations. This is where it's probably good to have actual copy or electronic copy so you can see what they're talking about. Um, so the Nicole tablets, the first vignette, fine, straight, horizontal lines, the symbol for space, etc, etc, through all the vignettes. Um, And then on the following page, page, there are all of the drawings and a continuation of descriptions of the vignettes. Um, Let's see... I found that the tablets included several subjects and that it required a series of tablets to explain each subject. Each series ran from two tablets, the, the shortest, to 16, the longest. Fortunately for us, we found two tablets that were keys to the various symbols and hieroglyphics. I arranged the tablets as follows. Series 1, a description of the creation down to and, down to and including the advent of man. Series 2, the raising of the mountains by the fires of the underneath and provisions for, for the disposals of future gases. Series 3. The origin and workings of the great forces throughout the universe. Series 4. The origin and workings of the Earth's great primary force showing two divisions and differentiating between the two. Series 5. The origin and workings of the Earth's great atomic force, a subdivision of one of the two principal divisions. Series 6. The origin of the force that creates and sustains life with its workings, a subdivision of one of the two principal divisions. Series 7. The origin of life, showing what life is, the changes in the forms of life, imperative as the earth developed. Series 8 The creation of man, showing what man is and in what way he differs from all other creations. Series 9 The advent of man upon earth and where he first appeared, which was called in the tablets the motherland of man. Unquestionably, these were only the commencement of a long series, probably the early history of Mu. Series 10 this series consisted of two tablets, each double the size of the others, possibly larger. They served as key to the writings and vignettes on the other tablets. It was the first two tablets of the series which started the work, ending in the translation of all. However, had we not possessed the key, our chances for deciphering the rest of the tablets would have been exceedingly small. Without the key, I do not believe that we would could have deciphered one half of the writings. Our work was made simpler by the old priest's amazing knowledge of the past. He'd only grasped the first line of secret writing he knew what the rest of the tablet contained. He told me it was believed certain other temples had many such records that had been saved when the ancient cities were destroyed. Taking them in the foregoing order, the tablets start by saying Originally the universe was only a soul or spirit. Everything was without life, calm, silent, soundless. Void and dark was the immensity of space, only the Supreme Spirit, the great self existing power, the Creator, the seven-headed serpent moved within the abyss of darkness. The desire came to him to create worlds, and he created worlds. And the desire came to him to create the earth with living things upon it, and he created the earth and all therein. And this is the manner of the creation of the earth with all living things upon it. The seven superlative intellects of the seven-headed serpent gave seven commands. I shall use them to call esoteric meanings as they are the most intelligible to the reader, the demotic, Demo- demotic are all symbolic and not easily understood the first intellectual command was let the gases which are without form and scattered through space be brought together and out of them let the earth be formed the gases then assemble themselves into the form of a whirling mass the second command was let the gases solidify to form the earth then the gases solidified volumes were left on the outside out of which water and the atmosphere were to be formed the volumes were enveloped within the new world. Darkness prevailed, and there was no sound, for as yet, for as yet, neither the atmosphere nor the waters were formed. The third command was, let the outside gases be separated, and let them form the atmosphere and the waters. And the gases were separated. One went, one part went into the form of waters, and the water settled upon the earth and covered its face, so that no land appeared anywhere. The gases did not form the waters. The gases that did not form the waters formed the atmosphere, and the light was contained in the atmosphere. And the shafts of the sun met the shafts of the light in the atmosphere and gave birth to light. Then there was light upon the face of the earth. The heat was also contained in the atmosphere, and the shafts of the sun met the shafts of the heat in the atmosphere and gave it life. And then there was heat to warm the face of the earth. The fourth command was But the gases that are within the earth raised the land above the faces of the water then the fires of the underneath lifted the land on which the waters rested until it appeared above the surfaces of the waters and this was the dry land a little quick side note it's interesting to uh hear about how the sun's energy meets the shafts of energy in the atmosphere to bring in the light and to bring in the heat (coughs) if um you listen to Ben Davidson's "Suspicious Observers" YouTube channel, you'll uh, know uh, or have heard of at least, or will hear of it about how the sun's energy is transmitted to the Earth's surface via uh, connectivity. It's interesting to see this interpretation from these tablets that were fifty thousand years old. Pretty, pretty um, interesting. End of the end of the. Uh, <coughs> segue there, or not a segue sidebar the fifth command was let life come from forth in the waters and the shafts of the sun met the shafts of the earth and the mud of the waters and there formed cosmic eggs, life germs out of the particles of the mud out of these cosmic eggs came forth life as commanded sidebar, that could be interpreted as cosmic radiation causing some sort of differentiation in DNA Uh, and sidebar the sixth command was, Let life come forth upon the land, and the shafts of the sun met the shafts of the earth and the dust of the land, and out of it formed cosmic eggs, and from these cosmic eggs life came forth upon the earth as was commanded. And when all this was done, the seventh intellect said, Let us make man after our own fashion, and let us endow him with the powers to rule this earth. Then Narayana, the seven-headed intellect, the creator of all things throughout the universe, created man, and placed within his body a living and perishable spirit, spirit and man became, like Narayana, in intellectual power. Then was creation complete. The seven commands are without a doubt also indicative of seven periods of time. A period of time is not measured by any particular number of years. It may mean a day, a year, or millions of years. Thus these tablets do not assign any particular length of time to creation. It may have taken millions or tens of millions of years to accomplish what was recorded in these tablets. It is merely stated that the earth was created in seven periods of time, not in seven days as recorded in the biblical legend. The general resemblance of the opening part of the Nahal record is regard to the story of creation to the ancient account as found in the Bible is remarkable, and it is also remarkable how great the divergence is thereafter. Legends of the creation are prevalent among peoples throughout the world, and in all instances I have found so much of the material identical that the only conclusion to be drawn is that they are not of common or sorry, is that they are of common origin, and their genesis was in moon. The seventh command was the hardest of all to translate. The actual deciphering was easy, but we found it impossible to find modern words that would convey identically the same meanings as the ancient. For instance, solar spirit was the nearest words we could find to represent what was put into the the body of man. The word living may or may not be exactly what was intended in the original. The word imperishable is without doubt absolutely correct. But what does the phrase, after our own fashion, actually mean? Certainly not in our own image. It, in some way, refers to mentally and mystic powers, and this is substantiated by the words, endow him with the powers to rule the earth. The Bible uses a good symbolic example when it refers to the breath of God. At any rate, it is clear that the meaning is special powers received from God, and may therefore be looked upon as a part of God, as a leaf is a part of a tree. Man came from God and must return whence he came. The Nicol tablets were exceedingly difficult to decipher. There being so many vignettes and tableaux, and so little heretic writing. Some of the parts were also so worn and obliterated we could make nothing of them. Words also appeared for which we could not find no equivalent in modern languages. At the commencement of our studies my priestly friend informed me that it would be impossible to decipher ancient tablets and inscriptions without knowledge of what he called the Nagamaya language, as all of the ancient writings that have to do with the Mu are in this language, and as all Nakal writings have an esoteric or hidden meaning, known only to the Nikals and to those whom they taught. To this hidden language he held to this hidden language he held the key, and after he had taught me its use it proved a sesame that unlocked for me many strange doors. For more than two years I studied this ancient language with intermittent decipherings to test my progress. My old Hindu friend and teacher remarked when we had accomplished completed our task, My son, we have got the general meaning but not the perfect detail. I must candidly admit that without this dear, gentle friend, the tablets could never have been deciphered by me. I find the reflections of the teachings of these tablets or other similar ones in the old Hindu literature also in old literature other than Hindu. As an example, Hindu, the Dharma Sastra, Book 2, Sloka 74. In the beginning only existed the infinite called Aditi. Book 1, Sloka 8. This germ became an egg. Book 1, Sloka 10. The visible universe in the beginning was only darkness. Book 1, Sloka 9. He first produced the waters and in them deposited an egg. Rigveda, Section 312v4, Page 316-317, to in this egg was reproduced the intellect of the supreme being under the form of Buddha, through whose union with the goddess Maya, the good mother of all of the gods and men. This corresponds with Adam and Eve, 1700 years later. Page 3, other than him, nothing existed, darkness there was. Page 4, he who measures out the light in the air. And then there's uh, a word I can't pronounce. It's a... Uh, I'll try. H. Ramaya Aramaya, Slokas 4-8. Originally, this universe was only a soul. Nothing active or inactive existed. The thought came to him, I wish to create worlds. And so he created the worlds. The light and the mortal beings, the atmosphere that contained the light, the earth that is perishable, and the lower depths that of the waters. Yucatan... Hotel, the particles of atmosphere on being hit by the divine arrows became animated. Heat, which determines the movement of matter, was developed in it. There is no question whatever, and both written and legendary histories say that these books were written from ancient temple records, and that the nakals wrote the temple histories, and taught religion and science. In southern India, the temples have libraries of ancient writings, but none, apparently, go back beyond the Sanskrit. I worked over several of these with high priests, and they were all in Sanskrit and on religious subjects. As none of them contained any facts of historical value, I was not sufficiently interested to continue their study. There are considerable variations of the legend of the creation in different sections of the world, which no doubt is due to the manner in which it was been handed down to generation after generation. Startling as it may appear, the most scientific version and the one Above all others, except in a call that can be sustained by geological research, is a version found among the the semi-savages and cannibalistic races of the South Sea Islands, especially the Marquasians. The Hindu, the Chaldean, Egyptian, Maya, and the Greek in later times describing the creation eliminated the scientific sections and recorded, by the use of symbols, the facts without the whys and wherefores. The reason for this is well told by... Clement of Alexandria, who said, The Egyptians neither entrusted their mysteries to everyone nor created their secrets of divine matters by disclosing them to the profane, reserving them for the heir apparent to the throne and to such of the priests who excelled in virtue and wisdom. In other words, the esoteric meanings were not given out publicly. It is a, certain, it is a certainty that the Egyptian legend of the creation from which Moses wrote the biblical account came from India when the Nakals went to Egypt as missionaries to teach the seven sacred-inspired writings, religion, and the sciences. Therefore, the dramatic story taught in Sunday schools throughout the Christian world today originated in the lost continent of Mu. I end this chapter with two of the missing links in the Nakal tale of the creation with two of the Nivens and Mexican stone tablets. Tablet number 1231, this is one of the most interesting and in all respects the most valuable tablets in the whole of Niven's collection of over 2,600 tablets, for it is the key to the movement and workings of the universe. Number 1231 is a symbol of the Sacred Four, which under innumerable names and guises have played an important part in man's conception of the creator and the creation from the earliest of ancient writings down to and including the present time. The Nacal writings tell that the Sacred Four were the Creator's commands that evolved law and order from chaos throughout the universe. There's an image on page 23 of the book, at least in this copy, it's on page 23, um, of that tablet number 1231. You can probably Google that and get an image. When they had completed this work, they were given charges of the physical universe. The Mexican tablets that identically the same thing. The Nacal writings throughout give them symbolic names, and a call tablet which might tell us what the sacred four are, beyond the fact that they were the first four great commands in creation is missing. As the sacred four were commands, they naturally were given to something to be executed. What well, was that something? Here they do. I have found nothing among ancient inscriptions and writings that tell us, but this tablet supplies the information. Should anyone think that this is a mere assertion on my part, I am giving a dissection, the deciphering and the translation of this tablet, number 1231. 1. The central figure of this diagram or vignette is a circle, which is a picture of the sun as Ra. The collective or monotheistic symbol of the Creator. It was one of the first three symbols used in religious teachings. As it was monotheistic, it was the most sacred of them all. 2. Within the circle is the heretic letter H of the Motherland's alphabet. Being a heretic letter, it carries a symbolic meaning. It is the alphabetical symbol of the Sacred Four. As it is within the circle, it is within the Creator. Thus the sacred force within the Creator, and comes out of his mouth, his power or forces. The sacred four, the, great, the four great primary forces, are thus shown coming directly from the Creator. As the ancients termed it, he desires, he wishes, and his commands. 3. This is a symbol of force, of a force. The base shows where the origin of the force is, and the point, the direction which the force takes, in its workings. In this vignette, the force is working from west to east. 4. Each of the four forces has an arrow, spear, dart, or javelin head. This is the symbol of activity, showing the force is not dead, but remains active and continuous in one direction from west to east. The ancients understood this and wrote, and when this was accomplished, they were given charge of the physical universe. 5. This cliff forms forms the word geometrician. This word is written within each of the four forces. So here it is called the four great geometricians, the four great primary forces. They are the primary forces because they are depicted as coming directly from the creator itself. Six, this glyph is formed by crossing the four forces. All are moving west to east. The points form a circle symbolizing the universe. They are therefore governing the movements of all bodies throughout the universe. It shows that all bodies that revolve are revolving from west to east and that all circuits Made by moving bodies are from west to east thus all are moving on a center as is symbolically shown that center is the primary force that which is the great infinite the almighty being symbolically shown this center does not apply to any particular spot in the universe it applies to he himself he is the center at whose command all movements of bodies are made either directly or indirectly i.e their subsidiary forces which forces are produced by or through the workings of other forces, some possibly being what are termed atomic forces. Out of Niven's 2,600 tablets, over a 1,000 are about the workings of the four primary forces. And Then there's an image of tablet number 988. The last glyph, number six, is a common one. I have yet to find the first archaeologist who has mentioned it, who has not mistaken it for the swastika. Tablet number 988, this tablet refers to one of the Great Magnetic Primary Forces. It shows that this Great Magnetic Force is is existence throughout the universe. The universe is symbolized as being within within the two outer circles. The central circle symbolizes the creator. The curved lines running through the universe are the lines of the force. The lines being curved is a regular phenomenon when originating from a revolving body as is shown their directions is from west to east. This is corroborated by by the force symbol below, which points the direction taken by the force. That it is one of the four great primary forces is told by the alphabetical symbol of the sacred four being attached as a caption. Therefore, here again, as in tablet number 1231, it is shown that the four great primary forces come directly from the center. Tablet number 339 from Niven's collection of Mexican stone tablets. This picture on this stone is a pretty artistic rendering of the ancient conception of law and order being carried out and established throughout the universe by a butterfly. The elongated circle following the contour of the stone symbolizes the universe, space without an end. The head of the butterfly is a circle with four discs within. The circle symbolizes the creator in the four discs, the numeral four. The symbol numeral of the sacred four, four and one make five, the four discs and the one circle make five, the number the numeral symbol for the full godhead. The two antenna projecting from the head symbolize law and order. The wing can be read in two ways, five bars symbolizing the full godhead and four spaces between the sacred four. A tongue stretches across the universe. The tongue is the symbol of speech and command, so the command has gone forth that law and order be established throughout the universe. The butterfly is carrying the command. The legend. By command of the creator, the sacred four are establishing law and order throughout the universe. The Nikal tablets which came under my observation ended with special creation of man. The continuation has been lost from the collection. There are many missing links in this collection which makes it an incomplete tale. For it says nothing about the advent of woman, the joint special creation of man. Up to the present, there has been nothing about this subject except what is purely legendary. The legend, however, legends, however, are numerous and universal. Tablet number 1584. This tablet gives the continuation of the sacred inspiring writings of Mu. Following on from the seventh command is shown in my Nikal copy. There's one difference, however, between the Nikal and the Mexican tablets. We know that the Nikol tablets were copied directly from the sacred inspired writings of the motherland, and we do not know where the Mexican tablets were written. Tablet number 1584 is an extract from the sacred writings made tens of thousands of years after the Nikol, but by how much of an expert is not shown. Nor is it shown where the copy was made, presumably it was in America, this being based on the fact that all tablets embodying the sacred writings Made in the motherland were clay tablets, the Mexicans are etched on stone. The Mexican, having been made at a much later date than the Oriental, have an open question whether they are identically like the motherland's originals or whether time engrafted a new cosmogony, thereby in some minor respects making an alteration in original details to suit the conceptions of a more modern priesthood. The key, one, a human head symbolizing man. The eyes are drawn as being sightless, therefore in death, which is the sleep mentioned in ancient writings. The ancients did not believe that man could actually die, the soul. 2. Symbols of cosmic forces here are depicted as one of the earth's powers bestowed on man to enable him to rule the earth. 3. Coming from the head, it symbolizes that these powers are intellectual. 4. The body is formed of two cosmic eggs. The upper one is joined by the head, and the lower to the bottom of the upper one, thus saying, the body is a twin. As will be seen, the upper egg is in the act of being detached from the lower one, or vice versa. 5. On either side of the neck is a circle, two circles, the symbol of the creator, thus saying that in some respects this creation partakes of the creator himself. As they are placed close to the head, they further say, intellectually, intellectually, 6. From the upper egg is emanating a force on either side, and from these two forces are shown two subsidiary forces working downwards. The ends are points of which come in contact with cosmic eggs, which are being hatched or started, a force which eventually gives them animation. 7. As heretofore stated, the lower part of the body consists of a cosmic egg. From this cosmic egg, four other cosmic eggs are breaking forth, thereby symbolizing, or saying, that the lower egg is the female principle. The connection between the two forces of the upper egg, the male principle as it shows, no cosmic eggs coming from it but only forces, and with the cosmic eggs coming forth from the egg forming the lower part of the body, tells us that the cosmic forces of man are continued on from parent to offspring. The cosmic forces of man coming directly from the creator are thus continued in all mankind. This glyph is a pair of shears, oh, number eight. This glyph is a pair of shears, or dividing forces. Two forces are shown closing in on each other, cutting and dividing whatever comes between them. These two forces were the agents which separated the body and death and made male and female out of it. The legend in its entirety reads, the first man was created by the dual principle. Then this creation, first man, was caused to sleep the same as death of today. During this sleep, the principles were divided from the first man to become two, a man and a woman. Henceforward, through the man and from the woman, reproduction was carried on, and from this first pair the whole world was, co- was peopled. This is a startling legend into the unthinking impossible. Yet it is a legend that has been repeated continuously and is carried on by us today. From the Bible, I take the following Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. And the rib which the Lord God had given, taken from man, made he a woman. Chapter three, verse twenty. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all of the living. This biblical writing is a symbolic, not literal, expressing in different language, identically the same as it is written on this tablet. Both the biblical and the Mexican came from the same fountainhead, the sacred, inspiring writings of Mu. A similar legend exists among the savages, semi-savages, the Polynesian Islands, of the South Pacific Ocean. Their legend reads, Terora made man out of red earth Araka, and breathed into his nostrils. He made woman from man's bones and called her Evie. Plato, the Greek philosopher wrote, human beings were originally created with the man and the woman combined in one body. Each body had four arms and four legs. The bodies were round and they rolled over and over using the arms and legs to move them. By and by they began to treat the gods badly. They stopped their sacrifices and even threatened to roll up Mount Olympus to attack and overthrow the gods. One god said, let us kill them all, they are dangerous. Another said, no, I have a better idea, we will cut them in half, then they will only have two arms and two legs, they won't be round, they won't be able to roll. Being multiplied by two, they will offer twice as many sacrifices, and, what is the most important, each half will be so busy looking for the other half that they will not have time to bother us. The second god was the wise one. His theory has turned out well. Each human, half, male or female, has been and is so busy looking for the other half, the soul's mate, that other things have been neglected. Hindu, the Rig Veda, Langleyus, Translation, Sloka 3, reads as follows. In this egg was represented the intellect of the supreme being under the form of Buddha. Through whose union with the goddess Maya, the good mother of all gods and other beings dead and alive, all beings were created. Chinese, the Lao Tzu in Tao Te King, writes, reason Tao produced one, one became two and both produced three, and three produced all beings. Oriental countries have many legend about the first man being created with the dual principle. Many speak of the separation during sleep, death. I shall make no comment on this cosmogony. It is left for the reader to draw their own conclusions. Thus ends chapter 1 of the Lost Continent of Mu. Um, We'll end it there. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, I appreciate all of you. Um, Stay safe and uh, we will see you the next chapter chapter two which by the way is called the lost continent all right take care everybody